You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. God doesn't need anything. He's self-sufficient. Now, if I take that verse just by itself and don't put it with the rest of Scripture, I might conclude, since God is self-sufficient and He doesn't need anything, I don't need to give Him anything. But that's not what the Bible says. While He doesn't need anything, guess what? God likes gifts. He really does. And there are certain gifts he's pleased with, and there are certain gifts he's not pleased with. Have you ever forgotten to give someone a birthday or anniversary gift? You feel horrible, don't you? You try to make up for it, but you're so apologetic and sorry. And as a Christian, you might be thinking, what? God's expecting presents from me? What would I give him? I'm glad you asked. Pastor Danny's teaching today will help explain this idea of giving to God. You'll learn what it is that God's expecting from you. And you'll find out the thing that's most important about giving to God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of James chapter 1 as he continues his message, Fragrant Worship. It's very interesting what one of the gospel writers tells us about those wise men that came to worship this child that had been born. By the time they get there, Jesus was basically a toddler. He's no longer in the manger. He's in a house. And here's what it says. They bowed down and worshiped him. Now, that's what we've been talking about. And this is the last of a series we've been calling Christian Basics. They bowed down and worshiped him. And here's what it says after that. After they bow and worship him, here's what it says. Next line. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. They were not cheap gifts. They were costly gifts. Gifts given because of the gift that's been received. They opened their treasures. After they bowed and worshipped him, they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts. We look at a lady named Mary, and that's in essence what she did as she broke this alabaster container full of very expensive perfume. She anoints Jesus... And after anointing him with this perfume, she wipes his feet with her hair. It was a very intimate gesture. I believe that perfume was her dowry. I don't believe she was married, but either way, the point is, that being her dowry, she's saying, Lord, you're number one in my life. Over any other thing, over any other person, you're the most important. She anointed him. It wasn't 
sexual. It wasn't immoral. Anybody to suggest that? I said again, I think that's right on the lines of blasphemy. But it was very intimate. She worshipped him. And she worshipped him by offering something to him and something that was costly. Follow the trail of your time, energy, affections, and money. And there you find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is the object of your worship. When we think about this, and especially worship in relation to gift giving, here's what the Bible says about God. James 1.17. Come on, read this with me out loud. You ready? Here we go. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So he's not one kind of giver one day and another kind of giver another day. As a matter of fact, God is the perfect gift giver. If it's not a perfect gift, it's not from God. Now, with that said, it's interesting. I don't know if anybody here, probably somebody here, I'm sure, you've packaged a gift for someone, but you've done it in a way that they're not expecting. Maybe it's a nice gift. It's, maybe it costs you something to get it, but it's not very large. But you put it in a box, and then you put another box around that, and you put another box around that. Anybody ever done that? You put it in several boxes, so it's a big box, but it's really in the last box, and you just want to dramatize it and, and have them think and guess, because if it's a big box, well, it must be this, but it's not that. And you get down to it, and hopefully if they've done their homework, even though you've been kind of, well, not deceived, but you didn't see it coming, you go, oh, I would have never guessed. Why? Because it's wrapped in a way that you wouldn't have recognized it. Well, that's the way God sent his greatest gift. His greatest gift. Listen, I don't think anybody disagrees. The greatest gift God's given the world is Jesus. Hey, it's the gift of salvation. We're saved through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. It's the greatest gift God could ever give. But even though it's prophesied, nobody really saw the prophecies about the packaging. Isaiah says there was nothing to attract us to him. He wasn't a GQ kind of kid. He wasn't a baby. You go, that's the best looking kid I've ever seen in my life. No. Nothing to attract us to him. He was born to poor parents. We know that. Joseph and Mary were poor. He didn't get the Gaylord Palms or the Hilton. He got a stable. And he's laid in a manger where they feed the animals. Nobody really caught all that. But it's still the greatest gift. Even though we didn't really see the packaging the way God ordained it. God's a perfect gift giver, and my wife is like that in regard to what it says about God. Now, God's the only perfect gift giver, but she's a very good gift giver. And she amazes me all these years, birthday, Christmas, things like that. She seems to observe, listen. She remembers what someone needs slash what they want. And sometimes what they need is greater than what they want. And when they get what they need, they realize at some point, well, that's really what I needed anyway. And they're pleased with it. Are you with me? I'm a slow learner. I've tried to learn from God, but I've also tried to learn from my wife. But I'm telling you, I'm a slow learner. I was reminded in preparation for the message of my first wedding anniversary with my wife. 
We were living in the Pepper Tree Village apartments over Ninth Street. We were renting, and we didn't have any kids. The anniversary, I hope there's some husband that can relate, the anniversary crept up on me. Day of. Day of, I realized, duh, it's my first year wedding anniversary. Wendy's at work. She was doing secretarial work. I come home from Calvary Chapel. I realize it's anniversary. I haven't said anything to her. I haven't done anything. I rushed down to Kmart (laughs) right up the road. I got to hurry. It's late. She's going to be home. I go into the ladies jewelry section and I'm thinking jewelry would be nice. That'd be a nice first year anniversary. And I've even been willing to spend a little extra on it. I'm thinking earrings. Sales lady's helping me. She says, what kind of earrings does your wife wear? What does she like? And for the life of me, I could not get an image of my wife with a set of earrings. I couldn't remember what kind of earrings she had. I never paid any attention. So I'm thinking, I don't know. So I moved from there to the lady's clothing. Another sales lady's helping me there. And we're looking at some things. She makes some suggestions. I'm not dramatizing this. This really happened. I confirmed it again that this really happened on our first wedding anniversary with my wife. I told her yesterday. That was our first wedding anniversary, right? So I'm in the lady's clothing. A lady's trying to help me there. She says, well, what does she like and what size does she wear? I didn't know. I'll fast forward through the story. Somehow, ultimately, I ended up in sporting goods. True story. True story. A light, listen, I'm in sporting goods. A light pops on. At the time, I would have attributed it to the Lord. The Lord brought this to my mind. My wife has just joined the brand new Calvary Chapel co-ed softball team. She played softball when she was younger, but her glove is so old. What a practical gift. What a gift she needs. And so for our first wedding anniversary, I bought my wife a leather Wilson softball glove. And that's the only time I've ever done it. I'm learning. Here's the question. If you were to give a gift to God, what is he like? What would he be pleased with? Got to think about that one. Catch this verse. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And catch this. Find out what pleases the Lord. What gifts does he like? Now, let me throw you a little bit of a curve as we go into this. You're welcome to turn there. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 and verse 24. Here's what it says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Pull out that phrase, that truth. He doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything. He's self-sufficient. Now, if I take that verse just by itself and don't put it with the rest of Scripture, I might conclude, since God is self-sufficient and he doesn't need anything, 
I don't need to give him anything. But that's not what the Bible says. While he doesn't need anything, guess what? God likes gifts. He really does. And there are certain gifts he's pleased with, and there are certain gifts he's not pleased with. And the Bible tells us what he likes, what he doesn't like. Let's go through some of those right now. First of all, God likes gifts given by faith. Now, that's a broad topic. Let me hone in on that. A couple of verses, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let's think about the do not see part, especially in light of verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Even though I can't see him, I believe he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Here's the point. God likes gifts given by faith. Gifts that I give to the Lord that even though I don't see him, I know he sees me. And I know he's keenly aware of every gift that I offer to him. Not only is he aware of it, here's an amazing thing. God rewards me or will reward me for gifts that I give to him. Amazing. Here's what Jesus said. Fascinating. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. A cup of cold water given in the name of Jesus, God's taking record up in heaven. And he says, one day, listen, I'm keeping record of that. I'm noting that. Even though you don't see me, I see you. And every even cup of cold water you give, I'm pleased with. I'm going to reward you for that because I'm so pleased with it. Gifts given by faith that I know God is watching me. He's watching my life. And every time I give a gift in his name, he marks it down. Second thing the Bible tells us that God's pleased with, and he's really only pleased with this, is my best. Now think about it. To give God any less than my best says, well, he's not worthy of my best. No, he is worthy of my best. As a matter of fact, he's only worthy of my best. In Malachi's day, the children of Israel were bringing lots of gifts regularly. And yet, God sends Malachi and rebukes them. Why? Verse 8, Malachi chapter 1. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. He basically says there, look, if I'm your master and I'm great and I'm God, why are you offering me something that's less than the best? I hate to say it, but sometimes people tend to treat God kind of like we do Salvation Army or Goodwill. When it's no longer useful to me, if it's not valuable to me, well, I'll give that. And yet God is worthy of our best. As a matter of fact, he's really not pleased when we offer him anything less than the best. Now, this next one, 
I'm not ashamed at all or apologize for sharing it because it's all over the Bible. All over the Bible. Did you know that God likes financial gifts? Come on, listen. I'm 56 years old. I know I don't look it. I understand that. But I am 56 years old. This past week, I've had the privilege of opening some envelopes with Christmas cards. Some of them actually have sparkly stuff on them. But the sparkly stuff is not really my favorite thing. I enjoy that. But I'm just going to confess. When I open a Christmas card from a friend or family, someone that loves me or loves my family, and green is there, I go, praise the Lord. When I open the card, come on, some of you guys that are at least 56, you're going, yeah, hey, you get your card and you open it up, and before you even read the card, you got, there's a check with my name on it. And you read the check first, and then you read what they had to say. God likes financial gifts. He really does. And some of them, God tells us about. One, he likes the first fruits. Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase. Every time I get paid, ever since I've become a Christian, I set aside the first fruits. I believe the first fruit is the tithe. I'm not going to get into that. It's 10%. And I believe that that's the first fruit. It's always been for me and still is. So every paycheck, first thing I do is I set aside. Now it happens automatically, but I'm conscious of it. And I'm giving the Lord the first fruits. Those gifts I got this past week, those checks, a little bit of cash, you know what I did immediately? I calculated and I set aside as an offering to the Lord first fruits off of those gifts that were given to me. Because while they were given by friends and family who love me or love my family, ultimately it came through God. Ultimately. And so I want to honor Him. You see, when I give the first fruits of all the increase, I'm regularly acknowledging, God, without you, I'd have nothing. That's exactly what King David said when he and the Israelites were taking offerings for the building of the temple that his son Solomon would actually build, but David helped the planning of it, and he was a key fundraiser for the building of that temple. Here's what he says, recorded for us in 1 Chronicles 29, 14. Everything comes from you. And we have only given you what comes from your hand. Without you, we'd have nothing. First fruits. Because everything we have comes from God. Let me tell you another financial gift God really takes note of and he's pleased with. Gifts to the poor. Cornelius, this Roman centurion, God sends Peter to share with Cornelius and those in his house about Jesus Christ. And they all receive Jesus Christ as Savior that same day. But Cornelius was already a God-fearing man. He prayed, and Peter says, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. In other words, God took note. Every time you gave gifts to the poor, God took note. He was pleased with that. And what happens is God gives Cornelius now further revelation about himself. He sends somebody to tell him about Jesus. 
There's an interesting verse in the Old Testament. I think it's a proverb. Didn't have it in my notes. Just popped into my mind. When we give to the poor, we lend to the Lord. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? Every time we give to the poor, we lend to the Lord. By the way, there's a, I didn't mention this in the other services, but there's a way you can do that anytime you want to here corporately. It's called our special needs. And if you ever mark an offering special needs, it'll go into a fund. And we use that fund to help people that are in tough financial situations in our own fellowship and sometimes outside of our fellowship. Let me tell you another one, financial gift that God's really pleased with. When we give to missionary efforts, missionary organizations, missionary individuals that are taking the gospel beyond our borders. They're taking the gospel to places that we're not going and we're not taking it. The Apostle Paul was one of those missionaries and he and his team went far and wide in their world to share Jesus Christ. When he first started in his missionary endeavors, the only church that supported him financially was the church of Philippi. And he writes at the end of Philippians chapter 4, a word of thanks for their financial help. Here's what he said. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Then he says this. This is interesting. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. I am so humbled and my wife and I are so thankful that where we are in our lives right now financially, God is so well taking care of us that we now can not only honor the Lord very easily with the first fruits, we're able to give beyond the first fruits. And with some of the giving beyond the first fruits, we support several missionaries and several mission agencies that we believe are worthy that are really sharing Christ around the world. And it's so exciting. Every time you support one of those missionaries or one of those missions, I'm reminded God's pleased with that. That's a gift that's pleasing to him. That's a gift that's literally an offering and a sacrifice that goes up to heaven. That's what this verse tells us. Tremendous. I love the fact that when we give any kind of financial gift for the Lord, he evaluates it based on what we have, not on what we don't have. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. I don't know if you're aware or or remember, uh, Luke's gospel tells us in chapter 21 that Jesus was standing at the temple and he was watching people give their offerings in the temple treasury. Some rich people came by, some rich Pharisees came by and put in large amounts. Then this widow came and she gave the last two mites of her life. She gave all she had. And Jesus turned to his disciples and took the opportunity to teach them. And he said, you see all these gifts? This widow has given more than all of them because they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Listen, God evaluates based on what we have, not on what we don't have. Now, let me tell you a quick note there. I've had people (laughs) still... I know they're sincere, at least they're, they believe they're sincere, and they say things like, and I've had several people over the years say this, they come to me and say, Pastor, when I win the lottery, then the church won't have to worry anymore about the money. But here's the truth, it's not a question of how much you have. Jesus said, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much, but he was not faithful with a little, they won't be faithful with much. That's the truth. And God evaluates it based on what we have, not what we don't have. Now. God's pleased with sacrificial gifts, gifts that really 
cost me something, not just monetarily, personally. Thanks for joining us today to study Christian basics right here on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You can hear this message again or more from Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would simply like to talk with us, feel free to send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. We'd also love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to invite you to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We also live stream our services for those who are unable to attend in person. So don't let distance hold you back from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time for more Christian basics right here on The Living Word.